All right, welcome back to the final hour of the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, let's welcome in uh, Jeffrey Chadia from NFL.com to talk about, well, a big week in the NFL with uh, Thanksgiving week in the United States. Uh, Jeffrey, uh, thanks for checking in. You're with Kevin Carey and Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fuhrer. Welcome to Sports 1440. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, thanks for coming on. Just your thoughts, first of all, last night uh, on the Monday night football game. Boy, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles just found a way to win. Uh, Kansas City came close to tying it up or even taking the lead at the end of the game. But boy, oh boy, Philadelphia full marks to be the top team record-wise in the NFL right now. Uh, they are, and I actually live in Kansas City, so there's a little bit of uh, angst about what they saw from the Chiefs in that game. But you, first of all, have to give credit to the Eagles for the way they responded, being down, you know, midway through the third quarter by 10 points and finding a way to close it out and get the win. Um, that's a big turnover to the red zone. Uh, we're able to really um, create some problems for Patrick Mahomes in that offense. And, and really, it's, you know, it, it's a testament to who they've become as a team. They, they are so tough-minded. It was an ugly win, but afterward in the locker room, they said that this was an average performance and they found a way to win. Hmm. You have to take a lot of confidence away from a game like that. Go ahead, Grant. Sorry, I can't hear Jeffrey. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll get one more for going. Uh, we'll get the microphone uh, to uh, route it towards you, Grant. But um, so just on last night with Kansas City, as you mentioned, uh, uh, Jeffrey, the sense that, you know, they've had 26 drop balls this year. The one with Marcus Valdez counting in the end zone at the end. And even with, uh, with Justin Watson on the final play, basically, that they ran. This has been haunting this team all year. Can they ever recover from this? Uh, you know, they can. It's the first time in the Patrick Mahomes era where they've had to deal with some inexperience, some new players at that position, guys trying to figure it out. It's a challenge. You know, I think they, they you know, this in, a, in an ironic way, this was the offense you thought you would see when they lost Tyree Kill last year. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing some of these growing pains now. And you're right, the, the numbers are startling, though. You're talking about leading the league and drop passes. They're the, the worst team in the league in second-half scoring at five points of the game, and they also have not scored the second half in any of their last three games. So they've got to get some things figured out, and those drops they had last night are, are really – you can see almost the way a playoff loss yeah. would look for the Chiefs now where they need a big play from a receiver and the ball lands on the ground instead of in their hands. Hey, Grant, can you hear Jeffrey uh, Chidea now? Yep. Perfect. Yep, I've got him now. Okay, go ahead, Grant. So, on a positive side for Kansas City, their defense has been better than people expected this year. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, by far. I mean, this was this has been, you know, again, following the Chiefs the last five or six years, throughout the time Patrick Mahomes has been the quarterback, the refrain has always been, the defense just has to be good enough. They don't have to be phenomenal. They don't have to be elite. They just have to be good enough to take care of that to help that offense out, and now it's completely flipped. I mean, you could argue that their defense has won three games for them. They kept them in the game last night, the way they played, the five sacks in the first half. The Eagles only converted three first downs, and, you know, they've got they got some big turnovers. So they've done a great job of building that side of the football up and getting some young players to come along pretty quickly. And if they did not have that defense right now, you might be talking about a team that could be you know, four and five, four and six right now. That, that's how good they've been. 
Jeffrey Chidia from NFL.com is our guest on Sports 1440. Kevin Carey is Grant Fuhrer. You know, Jeffrey, just loved your article, the last one you posted, with the one thing each NFL team has to be thankful for entering Week 12. Uh, you really did a concise job of, you know, breaking down every team. Is there one or two teams and one or two stories, uh, storylines in the entire league that kind of catches your eye a little more than the others? Well, I'd say the Bills are really intriguing to me, just because I know they've had a lot of a lot of issues this year. But they've had, they've had a lot of issues the last three years. When you really think about it. Last year was a really saw kind of thing to Demar Hamlin, about Miller getting hurt, to Josh Allen being injured. And the year before that, they were they were seven and six in Week 13, and they people wondered if they were going to make the playoffs. They went on a five game win streak that year, an eight game winning streak last year. So I think they're pretty well equipped to to come through this because they've been through a lot of these these tumultuous times already. And then, you know, the other side of that, I would say the the Minnesota Vikings have been interesting to me. You know, they were a team that was 1-4 at one point and had a ton of turnovers, and they, they lost Justin Jefferson, their best receiver to a best receiver in the league, to an injury. Their quarterback's out, and they're playing with this quarterback they picked up two weeks ago, and their, their coach, Kevin O'Connell's doing a great job with them. So I think that they, to me, that's Another team to, to watch in, in, as we get closer to the playoffs is the Minnesota Vikings. Grant, I know you always want to bring your Packers into the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been an interesting year for the Packers, but Thursday they've got the Detroit Lions, so I think are a bit of a big surprise this year. Do you think if they can beat the Lions that they'd have an outside chance at a wild card? I do. I do. I feel like the NFC is – a lot more wide open than people think. Really, the whole NFL is, but certainly the NFC, the the Wilder situation. Minnesota's got the got the advantage right now, but all these teams are going to play each other. And, and the Packers, really, I thought they had got a huge boost this past weekend with getting that win, uh, the way they did against the Chargers, the Jordan Love playing his best game of the season, leading a game-winning drive late. You know, I, I kind of defend them a, a little bit because they're so young and people have become so accustomed to having Aaron Rodgers there and Brett Favre before that and all these veteran players that they're trying to figure things out with a young group. And, and so it was encouraging to see Jordan Love have success. And it wouldn't surprise me. Teams like that usually who are pretty young, they have their moments. And this could be another one with a, you know, a big stage for them and a chance to make, a, make another push towards a playoff spot. I could see them playing well. Hey, Jeffrey, do you think Jordan Love is kind of, you know, there was a time maybe at the start of this year or maybe a, a couple game segment where maybe the Packers weren't totally sure that he was the answer moving forward. Are they starting to feel that more now? Well, I, I think it's it's one of those situations where you have, to, you have to let him play, right? I mean, it's it's great that he's been in the league for he's just his fourth year in the league and he's been sitting for three years, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know how fair it is to say, okay, now you've got 17 games to show us you can be a starter. I mean, most quarterbacks who drafted in the first round get three to four years to show that. And so I would, you know, I know that there's, it's been up and down, right? He was encouraging at the start, had some, some tough games in the middle with some, some big bad decisions and some mm-hmm. big, big turnovers. But again, it's like, I thought you don't even know what kind of quarterback you have until they played a couple seasons. And at the very least, I think he deserves that. So, you know, you, you hope that there's patience there. You hope they're not looking for a quick fix. Again, they've been spoiled by what they've had with Aaron Rodgers and, and Brett Favre. But 
both those guys also had their ups and downs early and found a way to figure it out. Go ahead, Grant. So in the NFC West, will Seattle catch San Francisco? I think it's going to be tough now because the you look at this the way San Francisco's played the last couple games. They've scored 61 points. They've given up 17, and they've gotten healthier. That, that's a, when they were losing those three games a few weeks back in a row. You know, Debo Samuel was hurt. Trent Williams was hurt. Christian McCaffrey was banged up. He was still playing, but he was still dealing with an oblique injury. And now that those guys are healthier and you're seeing that defense play at a higher level, you're seeing Brock Purdy play at a high level again. When they're right, for my money, they're the best team in the league. And so that, to me, is a big factor in their their positioning for the playoffs. Flip side of it, you know, Seattle's Geno Smith is banged up and he, he's had some turnover issues and, and it, their defense has struggled a little bit lately. It's... They're going to be a playoff team because I think they're they're pretty talented and well-coached. But to be able to catch the Niners now in that division with the way things have turned, I don't see it happening. Jeffrey Chidea from NFL.com is our guest on Sports 1440. Kevin Carius and Grant Fuhr on a Tuesday morning. Uh, what about the Denver Broncos, uh, Jeffrey? After that, giving up that 70-burger to Miami in week three, <laughs> the Broncos yeah. have found a way to get kind of back into this playoff picture. Uh, how have they done it? Well, one, I think you, you give them credit just for resilience. Like, they could have easily folded. They were on a historic pace with their defense as far as giving up points and yards. And Vance Joseph, their defensive coordinator, got them to really buckle down and fix that side of the football. And they've been one of the best defenses over the last three weeks. I think they've they're leading the league in turnovers right now in that department for over the past three games. But really, Russell Wilson has is, is been a great story in this, too. The work Sean Payton has done with him. You know, he took so much heat last year for the way he was played. He was playing, people were throwing him under the bus and saying his career's over. And you look at his numbers now, it's like 19 touchdown passes, four interceptions. Like, he's, he's played his way back into being the guy that we remember from Seattle days. And, and that, that bodes well. I mean, again, the AFC now with Cleveland losing its quarterback, the Bengals losing their quarterback, the Steelers having problems, Houston Texans are a young team. I think they very well could be a playoff team the way things are playing out for them. Hey, uh, Jeffrey, got to get this one in for our producer, the Duke of Delburn, big Houston Texans fan. And, okay. <laughs> I mean, he is just over the moon with C.J. Stroud. Oh, Figures yeah. he's a top three, top three in the MVP voting. Um, yeah. <laughs> your thoughts? Yeah, well, look, well, look, he was, he was, he's been the leader for me the last couple of weeks in that race, and I know it's a uh, a muddled field right now because there aren't a lot, a lot of really big name players playing at a high level. But you can't really argue with what he's done. Even last week, he had you know three turnovers, three interceptions. But the way he's thrown the football, the way he's carried this team, and, and when I say carry, I mean literally. You thought you can't find mm-hmm. too many people outside of your producer or <laughs> Texas fan who could name more than five Houston Texas players. Okay, so Duke. I mean, <laughs> when you throw the guys like Tank Dell and. Nico Collins and you know people like that, and you're you're scoring points and you're you're winning games and you're in the position for a playoff spot. I mean that that comes down to the quarterback. I mean he's really, you know, I'm a Michigan guy, so I've watched mm-hmm. him at Ohio State for a few years. He's even better now than he was then because he didn't have this kind of moxie and savvy mm-hmm. the way he played. I mean he really has shown that he probably should have been the first pick in the draft. 
Well, Duke, here's your chance. You get, you want to rifle off the Texans practice roster for Jeffrey here or what? <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll save that for a time where we, uh, we're trying to fill a segment. How about that? Uh, there you go. Well, uh, Jeffrey, you, you just mentioned uh, Michigan and, o- and Ohio State. Uh, how fired up are you for that this week? I'm always fired up for that game. Yeah. You know, the last few years it's been, well, put it before the last few years, it wasn't a lot of fun to watch it because as a Michigan fan, you knew that it was going to be a rough go. And Michigan's won the last two games, and there's a lot on the line this time around. The Big Ten title, a spot in the college football playoffs, and not all the controversy surrounding Jim Harbaugh and the science dealing situation. It, um, and I'm not as crazy as some Michigan fans who turn this into like Hamas invading Israel, the way they've responded to some of the science dealing stuff. But, um, but I feel like this is a great opportunity for them to show once again what they've become as a program. It won't be easy without Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh being there, but I feel like having watched them play and knowing what they're made of and the, the makeup of that team, they've got a pretty good chance of winning this game. Being at home, knowing what's at stake, knowing what their goal is to win that championship, I'm, I'm going to ride with the Bays and Blue on this one. <laughs> hey, Fierzy, have you got one uh, one more for Jeffrey Chadia from NFL.com? Yeah, quick question. Are Jacksonville and Cleveland for real this year? You know, I think they are. I'm a little bit less hyped up on the Browns. Now they lost to Sean Watson, but they found a way to win games without him playing. I mean, he's missed three or four games already. Now he's out for the season. Their defense is the real thing. And Miles Garrett legitimately is a not just a defensive player of the year candidate, but an MVP candidate the way he's played. So I think they can hang in there, but Jacksonville is probably the more complete team. When, when they are putting it together and, and their offense is, is clicking and their defense has been improved, they can be pretty scary. Now the question is whether they can do that consistently and, and, and make those kind of plays. Because for my money, Trevor Lawrence is, uh, is a really good quarterback. For him to be at the level of a Mahomes, of a Josh Allen, a Joe Burrow, those guys, he's got to make more plays in big moments. And so that's that to me is what I want to see from him going forward. Well, you know, Grant gets to enjoy this week in the NFL with the three games on Thursday down in uh, Palm Desert. You're going to enjoy it in, in Kansas City, I assume. But what about even on Friday, the first game on a Black Friday for uh, November 24th, uh, Dolphins and Jets? What do you make of that one? And just the fact that they're having uh, the game on Friday. Yeah, well, it's definitely the NFL always finds ways to change it up. And so I think there'll be, be a lot of eyeballs on it for sure. There's a lot of opportunities to get people sitting at home sitting in sports bars, not wanting to go shop and wanting to do something. So there'll be a lot of a lot of people watching it. And, you know, the Jets have made that quarterback switch going to Tim Boyle and benching Zach Wilson. I think they still are going to play tough defense, but my, my sense is the Dolphins are going, trending in the right direction. You know, I really feel like they are, um, with their defense getting better, getting Ramsey being back there, there's a lot to like about where they're going. And, you know, they get uh, a few more players healthy. They're going to be pretty dangerous down the stretch. Hey, Jeffrey, thanks for your time today. Appreciate all your uh, insight. Enjoy Thursday and, and Friday. Happy American Thanksgiving to you. Hey, no problem. Thank you. It's an honor to talk to, to Grant Fuhrer, too. I used to, he got me to watch hockey, that, those Edmonton Oilers scene, those great teams back in the day when I was a kid. Loved watching them. Oh, really? So you were a big fan of the Oilers in the mid-'80s? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm from Michigan, so you're a yeah. Detroit fan. The Wings weren't very good back then, so you wanted to watch a winner. And so you, the Oilers were always on. So, yeah, I saw a lot of – a lot of Wayne Gretzky and Grant Fuhrer and all those great teams of Dynasty. They were the first Dynasty I watched. Oh, good <laughs> was, stuff. This is great. 
Good stuff. Uh, appreciate Thank your time. You. Yeah. Grant, you got fans everywhere. Right. It's just nonstop. <laughs> there you go. Uh, All right, guys, thank yeah, you. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. Jeffrey Chitty, uh, NFL.com. So, Fierzy, on Thursday then, would you watch uh, – uh, when, when when does uh, when do the Firebirds play this week? What What's the schedule? Uh, we play tonight, and then we don't play till Saturday. Okay, so you got so. – which is kind of weird. Would you would you have said that they w- might schedule some games around Thanksgiving, or do they do they just go wow football and you know NHL's doing Wednesday Friday, or, or how how would that work? Yeah, I mean it's kind of spread out. We just happen to be in a little lull in our schedule, so it's really not that bad. We've got Ontario tonight, and then I believe we got Baker. We're in Bakersfield on Saturday. Yeah, I, I I knew that one because I wanted to talk to you about that game. But so Thursday, would you watch? There's three games starting with the Packers and the Lions. Then Washington. So you know, is, I'm watching that. Yeah, you know, you're watching that one. So that's a that's a full blown. You got brunch going there, or what? What happens there? What do you do for American Thanksgiving? Uh, we're gonna go over to my wife's daughters and. Okay with the grandkids and son-in-law and watch a little bit of football, probably a lot of football all day. So then would you hang around and watch, you know, there's two more games. You got Washington and Dallas and then the Niners and Seahawks on the Thursday. So again, as you said, it's just nonstop. Um, but also on Friday, there's a game on Friday at, uh, you know, in the afternoon, first time on a Black Friday. So you can't go down to Best Buy and, and find, uh, you know, your big screen TV, Fierzy. You, you got the opportunity, as Jeffrey Chidia said, to watch some football on Black Friday. Oh, I'd much rather watch a little bit of football than wandering through Black Friday shopping. That would be a zoo down there, wouldn't it? Oh, it is. There's no question. It's always a zoo. So I try and avoid that. Yeah. Like, you're not even going out to get a quart of milk, are you? You're just saying, that's it. Not going anywhere. Uh, corner store maybe other than that i'll be tucked on my couch comfortably oh uh when we come back we'll talk a little bit of coachella valley firebirds two wins on the weekend and then uh the game tonight against as you said ontario and uh then bakersfield on the weekend and then uh, your thoughts on some goaltenders grant uh that the oilers might be looking at a, a dynamic uh, would it fit does the does it make sense uh, bringing in a guy in at this point and uh, we'll also talk a little bit about that 1987 Canada Cup as well. So more with Grant Fear, Kevin Carius on Sports 1440 right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. 1022 in Edmonton, Kevin Carius in the Stingray Studios in West Edmonton Mall. Grant Fear in Palm Desert. Text coming in 1833-401-1440 from the rig. Hey, Grant, I agree with you about the size of the goalies now, but I've noticed that they always seem to be on their knees. It drives me nuts when these six foot six guys get beat over their shoulder from distance, even from the rig. Grant, your thoughts. I got to agree with them. I mean, if you're six foot six, you want to take advantage of that size. And for me, I would like to see some of the guys stand up a little bit more. I mean, it's their first thought is to go down on their knees and you're taking away your advantage of being six foot six. Do you know, Grant, when those, so, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, you agree with, with the, the big rig here. Do you, what about two, when they do go on down on their knees, even if they kind of made themselves big, they probably would cover a lot of those top corners. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, and that's kind of a pet peeve of mine is when big guys play small. And you want to see small guys have to play big. They don't have the op, they don't have an option. But you see the big guys that go down on their knees, they kind of lean forward a little bit, and they make themselves small. And 
you see some goals from strange angles. You see goals from well out that if they were on their feet would just hit them. So yeah, that's still a bit of a pet peeve. Mm-hmm. So do you think, so are they just playing the percentages then? Is that how, what they're taught at that point? Yeah, that, that's part of what teaching has been the last 10 years is percentages. And I, I like to see the athleticism. I mean, yeah, you can take away space and it's going to work some of the time, but then you end up giving up goals that if you were to just stay up an extra second, you don't give those goals up. And one, you take away the target for the shooter. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. So uh, when you were playing Grant 2, um, I'm kind of trying to think of like wraparounds now, or even even if the opponent has the puck in the corner, you see goalies kind of go, they're down already. They're down already on one knee, sort of hugging the post as best they can. At that point, when a, when a player was in the corner with the puck, were you still standing up when you were playing all the time? Oh, yeah. I can stand up and you read and react. I mean, you follow where the pass goes. Instead of you're down on a knee and you're hoping for one big push. I mean, I could, if I'm on my feet, I've got the opportunity to make the first save, but then I've also got the opportunity of making a second and third if I had to. Grant Fuhrer with us on Sports 1440, the Kevin Carrier Show. Uh, we talked about the Oilers goaltending situation earlier, and you kind of gave us your um, input and an analysis on uh, what Cal Picker did last night and uh, what Jack Campbell's trying to do, I guess, in Bakersfield and Olivia Rodrigue and then uh, Stuart Skinner. But we always hear the the rumblings, the rumors, Grant, of the Oilers uh, knocking on the doors of some teams trying to get goaltenders uh, out of certain teams and making trades at this time of the year. And when you're dealing from such a uh, position of weakness is not easy to do, but we're going to throw some names out there that have been bandied about that we kind of hear. Frank Saravalli from uh, the Daily Faceoff mentioned a few of these guys. So Jake Allen in Montreal, uh, is that a possibility? And I'm not, I don't, I don't want you to look at the possibility. I'm, I'm going to rephrase that. What do you like about the the Jack Allen's play? What kind of goaltender is he? Would he be a fit in the sense of what the Oilers are trying to accomplish here? Yeah, Jake's a battler. I think that's the biggest thing. And the other thing about Jake is he's young enough that he fits that group. I mean, ideally, you would like to develop a couple of young guys to go along with that group. So, yeah, Jake's a veteran, but he's still young enough that he would fit in that group. And he's been a good, solid goalie for a number of years now. Another goaltender that uh, Frank Saravalli mentioned, and he really liked this one, was uh, James Reimer in Detroit. He, uh, Saravalli felt that uh, the Red Wings have three goaltenders in camp, don't want to lose one on waivers. What do you like about James Reimer's game? I like the fact that he's an athletic guy. I mean, I'm not sure Detroit's going to give him up. You've got the three guys there. You've got, well, I think they're planning on Sebastian Casa at mm-hmm. some point being able to play in the National Hockey League. So I don't, I'm not sure they're going to give Reimer up this year unless they somehow go on a terrible run and they're not going to make the playoffs and around the trade deadline, they might, but as much as you would like to have them, I just don't think Detroit's going to give them up. That's exactly what I said to Frank, but he disagreed with me. Uh, So he said, because Detroit has Alex Lyon as well as Vili Huso, uh, that would be an option. But uh, so you and I will agree to disagree uh, with Frank. Uh, a goaltender you probably know a little bit better than most is Carter Hart. Now, situation where he's uh, in the final year of his contract in Philadelphia, has had 
you know, periods of his career where he's been up, where he's been down, he kind of feels maybe that he's, and Philadelphia has been playing pretty well here too. So again, why would you give Carter Hart up? But what do you like about Carter Hart's game? I think he's really solid. And I thought the last couple of years up until he got hurt, he was played really well for Philadelphia on bad Philadelphia teams. So I mean, in a perfect world, I would love to see Edmonton get Carter Hart. I mean, I think he's fits with that group. He's a young guy who's still going to get better. I mean, his upside is still, there's no ceiling to his upside. Mm-hmm. He's going to get better and better. And at some point, I still think he's going to be a star in the National Hockey League. Yeah, restricted free agent uh, after next year. So, and again, Philadelphia coming on here a little bit. And the Flyers, no one really thought that. They had a bit of a slow start. Beat the Oilers uh, on uh, the the road trip the Oilers had earlier uh, in the season. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, can we revisit him? Because we did talk to about uh, him being a, a possibility goaltending for Team Canada in the future. But again, why would San Jose give a guy like Mackenzie Blackwood up? With the year he's having this year, I'm not sure they would, but their year has not exactly gone to plan. So I wouldn't rule anything out in San Jose. If they think they can get something that's going to make their organization better, whether it be prospects, a player, then anything's possible. So Again, it's a team that's a little thin on depth. So I, I don't see them giving up Mackenzie Blackwood, but I also think that they're trying to build their organization. So if you were willing to part with the right package, mm-hmm. you might be able to acquire them. Kevin Carey is Grant Fear on Sports 1440. Uh, another, the last of the five-pack that Frank Saravalli threw out there, uh, Carl Vamelka in Arizona. What can you say about this young goaltender? extremely athletic and it's it played very well in Arizona I mean he's kind of flown under the radar where he's been Arizona's biggest chance of winning some nights where the team hasn't played very well but he's played extremely well and doesn't get a lot of credit for it and doesn't get noticed very much just because of where he is I mean nobody's really following Arizona so they don't get the opportunity of seeing him play and he's been extremely good all year what do you like about his game? You said extremely athletic, but is there a certain aspect that he would, uh, you know, kind of catch your eye a little more than most? I think the athleticism for one and the fact that he's not a huge guy. He's, he's a big kid, but he's not a huge guy. But he battles. I think that's been the biggest thing is he doesn't give up on anything. He battles all the way through it and has been making some timely saves. And that's what you want to see. You want to see a guy that, can make a timely save. They can turn a game around in that. He's done that for Arizona this year. Uh, text coming in, 1-833-401-1440. Um, Steve says, can you ask him about Spencer Knight? So uh, Spencer Knight in Florida, but buried in the minors right now. Uh, what about Spencer Knight? I mean, he's got a big ticket. I think he's at four mil a year. Uh, problems a little bit off the ice, but maybe he is still trying to to get those resolved, find his way. What about Spencer Knight? Does uh, does he have the tools to be a top-notch goaltender in the NHL? Oh, no question. I mean, if you look at his body of work in the NHL before he had the issues, he was playing fabulous in Florida and was pushing Bobrovsky. So, yeah, he's in the minors probably knocking some rust off and trying to get his confidence back. So, yeah, that's he's got a big upside. So 
it, the contract's probably a little bit steep, but mm-hmm. at the same time, he's another guy that fits that age group that goes in with the young guys in Edmonton. You know, uh, Grant, the other day when uh, Seattle played here, I really kept a close eye on Joey Decord because we'd been having conversations about Joey Decord well, basically since we started the show and you said, you know, keep your eye on Joey Decord. He's going to be making the the Seattle roster this year uh, because of how he played uh, last year with Coachella Valley. What have you seen from Joey Decord so far this year with the big club in Seattle? A lot of the same thing we got to see all year last year where he's just a solid goaltender. Again, probably might be the best puck handling goaltender in the league right now. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing a little bit of a transition with the defenseman in Seattle, learning that Joey wants to handle the puck all the time. Some good, some not so good, but at the same time, he's very good at it. But again, a guy that competes. I mean, that's the one thing about Joey is he never gives up and he's just a big positive influence on the ice and in the room. And Philip Grubar left the game last night in the first period as the Kraken lost to Calgary in overtime. Uh, do pick up a point, though, so that's uh, points against Calgary and Edmonton in overtime. But have you heard anything this morning with uh, Philip Grubar? Because it obviously, obviously it affects uh, what's going on uh, with you guys in Coachella Valley. Yeah, no, I haven't heard anything yet this morning. But again, I'll be heading to the rink early this afternoon just in case something does happen. So two wins for Which Co- be a little bit tough for us. Sorry, go ahead, Grant. It'd be tough for us because yeah. we've got Chris Drieger, who, who some Drieger's is supposed to play tonight. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if there's an issue or not. So uh, Coachella Valley uh, taking on Ontario tonight. Before we preview that one, uh, Grant, so two big wins uh, on the road, I guess, in Tucson on the weekend. Uh, when you got back from Vancouver and your little uh, trip to, up there, uh, did you have a chance to kind of go through things? And what you what'd you make of uh, what the Firebir- Firebirds did against Tucson? Yeah, we were coming off of a couple of not great games here at home where we fired a lot of shots tonight. I think we had 42 one night and 49 the next night and failed to score much. A lot of it was perimeter work and that sort of thing. So we played much better in Tucson. Both were hard-fought games. And the first one was a 3-2 and a shootout, which everybody played really well. We've turned into a really good road team where everybody battles to keep the game simple. And then the next night, we ended up winning 5-4. So, again, another one kept it simple, grind it, battle hard. And I think we've got one loss on the road, whereas we've struggled at home. So it's the home thing is something we need to get turned around. But on the road right now, it seems like the guys have found a formula for success. Uh, what kind of club does Ontario have tonight uh, that will uh, you'll be facing off this evening? Yeah, they're they're going to play a physical game. They've got some skill, but they like to try to bottle up the neutral zone. And the last game we played them, we lost at home one nothing, and David Riddich kind of stole the show. So that's been the biggest change from last year is they've added David Riddich, and he's been phenomenal for him so far. So you're facing an NHL goalie, and you're going to have to get people in front of his face, and that's something that we've had a tough time with at home where – we're not really, we're getting lots of shots, but we're not getting the ugly goals where you got to be in the goalie's face and around the edge of the crease. Uh, text coming in one 401 Ask Grant about Connor Ingram in Arizona. He's had a better season than Vimelka. Uh, I doubt Arizona would give him up, though. Uh, thoughts on uh, Connor Ingram? Another talented young kid. And again, better numbers, but I think they've played equally well. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, that's 
my pet peeve is numbers. <laughs> give me wins and losses. And whether you give your team that opportunity every night, now, you can see guys that have phenomenal numbers, but you have a losing record. Well, I'd rather see you have bad numbers and have a winning record. So again, they're both, they've been equally as good. It's just one's Ingram's numbers are a little bit better, but then again, I don't really go by numbers. I go by what I see and whether you're winning or not. Mm-hmm. So, I assume, well, well you, I'm not assume. it's pretty well a done deal that we will see Stu Skinner back in goal for the Oilers uh, tomorrow night as they take on Carolina. But then Friday an afternoon game, so are, are you uh, I would, are you just running with Stu Skinner now that, that Cal Pickard got in one game? But, I mean, we've talked about this, I think, last week with you too, Grant, that the Oilers don't have any back-to-backs until the end of December, right before the Christmas break. So how long are you going to run with Stu here? Did, uh, and kind of to... to uh, build on that. Did you see him fatiguing a little bit, maybe in that Tampa Bay game? Um, I wouldn't say it was fatiguing. I, I think it was an overall mm-hmm. team effort that kind of turned that in. But yeah, that I, I would assume he's going to play a little bit because they don't have back to backs. But at the same time, his play is going to dictate that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the other thing is if he plays well, then they'll probably keep running with him. If he struggles a little bit, then You'll see Pickard again. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we come back, we will uh, wrap up uh, the show with Grant in uh, Palm Desert, and we'll talk a little about the Canada Cup and maybe some other, you know, international hockey with uh, the Hockey Hall of Famer. That's coming up right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the home stretch. Uh, getting some of your texts that came in a little earlier, uh, still with our in or are you out about uh, TV episodes in Dallas. Uh, Terry sends one in. Remember trying to set the VCR to record your shows, Terry in North Edmonton. Man, that was tough times, wasn't it, Grant? <laughs> but a lot of those nights we had to play, so you ended up missing things once in a while. You almost had to be there to record it yourself. You couldn't program it. Yeah, no, unfortunately... I am that old where yeah. it was tough setting up a VCR. See, the Duke doesn't even know anything about this. It's just all automated. That's for not true. Oh, like, come I'm, on. I'm I'm 28 years old. I'm almost 29. Like I'm, and keep in mind, I grew up in a very small town. So a lot of, and out on the sticks. So a lot of the like forward innovations in technology did not make it out our way until much later. So uh, I basically might as well have grown up in a, in a one room <laughs> shack. On. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my entertainment was going outside and throwing a rock against the side of the barn. <laughs> and then I'd get in trouble for putting dents in the tin because hey. I was doing that. Hey, hey, did you have a satellite dish out there? Uh, it, in my later years. Yeah. 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 So, but did you have like two channels or how did it work on the satellite? No, no. Like before you got oh, the satellite. No, there was like Four or five channels, right? Uh, two. Channel three was for the VCR, or in my case, the PlayStation 1, which was sick. Uh, and then channels four, six. I, I can't remember exactly, but there's like a handful of channels, basically. And that was good enough for us. I mean, you had Saturday morning cartoons, the uh, the hockey game on a Saturday night on the CBC. Yeah. That, was, that was pretty much it. I don't know. I, I think Grant, we have to get to get the Duke a little more, you know, back into the old days and you know what it was like. I think. <laughs> um, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Kevin, goalies are getting the butterfly style drilled into them from U seven up. I don't like it either. Um, then he asks about a new goaltender for the orders at what cost? Well, we kind of been discussing that, and that's again, Grant. Do you see that? Like even when you were working with. Uh, 
uh, goalies and if you worked at camps, do you see that right away with goaltenders at such a young age uh, doing that technique? Unfortunately, yes. I mean, I'd still, to this day, say you're better off on your feet. I mean, if you can butterfly, great. You can add that to your game. But your center of balance is on your feet. So I think you're taking options away by butterflying right away. So would you incorporate that as, you know, part of your technique later as a, as a goaltender? Or like, what would you say to a, a young goalie that's 10, 12, 14 years old? The kids that I teach, I try and tell them, if you, you start on your feet, you can still butterfly. There's a lot of different things you can do. But you also put yourself in a better position for the second, third save if you can get back to your feet. Hmm. And that's kind of a lost art of being able to go down and get yourself back up again. Part of it's because the guys are bigger. But at the same time, I think it's an, it's, it's another option you can add to your game. And if you're going to have longevity in the game, you try and add something every year. I think that's the one thing that people forget as well, is you got to keep adding things to your game so that players get a different look and nobody really gets a book on you because they're not sure what you're going to do. Do you think that, um, I guess, coaches have just, for whatever reason, do you know the reason why that they're sort of jamming this style down young goaltenders' throats? Well, it's gone in waves. I mean, it used to be athletic when I first started. And then the butterfly came in and the defensive systems came in. So mm-hmm. you knew pretty good idea where the shots were going to come from. And it was about percentages then. Well, now that it's gotten, there's less hooking, less holding. It's become more puck movement. The just taking away space and playing percentages mm-hmm. isn't working as well. Now you got to be able to be athletic as well and be able to move. So now you're having to go side to side, that sort of thing. And that's easier to do on your feet. When you watched a guy like Dominic Hasek, what were you thinking when you watched his style? I love watching Dom because it didn't matter how you stop the puck as long as you stop the puck. So whether he had the butterfly, whether he stood up, whether he dropped on his back and rolled around, he just found a way to stop the puck. And it wasn't about being technically sound, technically pretty. It was a way of how do I compete and how do I keep the puck out of the net? And it was fun to play with Dom because you get to see it every day. So, I mean, did, did, did that style, did you see anything like that before you saw with Hasek? Did, did another goaltender uh, that you can recall, did he ever play that way, I guess, before Dominic Hasek? Um, not really. Mm-hmm. Like Dom was kind of in his own world at that time where he would make some unorthodox stops. He'd drop his stick to pick the puck up with his blocker, that sort of thing. So it was, it was kind of whatever worked. And you try and teach guys that it doesn't always have to be pretty. You just have to be able to make a save. And I think sometimes people get hooked on the side that it has to look good while you're doing it. But it doesn't have to look good. It just has to work. Yeah. And you guys, so you were in Buffalo for a couple of seasons together? In Buffalo for a couple of seasons with Dom before I ended up going to L.A. to hang out with Kelly Rudy. Mm-hmm. What was your relationship like with him in Buffalo? It was great. I mean, Dom was fun to have as a partner. I mean, we had a lot of laughs together, and it was fun to watch him in practice because same mindset. You didn't want to give up any goals. It didn't matter what was going on in practice. You hate to see the puck in the back of the net, so it was all about competing and pushing each other. What about his personality? Because we always you see and hear that in the media. What what was that like, I guess, for you to experience? Uh, Dom, Dom's extremely smart, and I don't think people realize that, that he's a very intelligent guy that – sees things a little bit differently than everybody else, but at the same time was fun to be around and fun to hang out with.
How did you guys, uh, was it sort of a split in Buffalo? I can't really recall. It kind of went in waves. I mean, we had muck there. So if you were playing well, you got to play. If you had a night that wasn't so good, then Don would go in and play. And if he played well, he'd keep playing. So you pushed each other to get ice time. Also, John Tortorella was an assistant coach for you. That's correct. Torts was my assistant. Torts and I spent a lot of time hanging out together. Okay. I get to I worked out with I worked out with Torts in the summer, so we spent some time running in a pool, riding a bike, and I actually really enjoyed Torts as a coach. Yeah, he's kind of hard and old school, but at the same time, he's pushing you to be better. Mm-hmm. And once you realize that, he's a lot like Muck was, where there's not a whole lot of nonsense, there's not a lot of fun in games, it's serious, and they're gonna push you when you aren't playing well. Yeah, you're going to get yelled at once in a while. That's just the way they are, and that's just the way it used to be. Feelings weren't a part of the game. Would Tortorella have been a player's coach in your mind back then, or is he still? I think he still is. Yeah, I mean, he'll push you, but at the same time, I thought he was a player's coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoyed playing for him. I enjoyed playing for Muck. Yes, they were hard on you. Slats was the same way. He was hard on us, but there was a purpose to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoyed playing for him. There was no gray area. It was black and white. It was very simple and very easy to play for. Did, did John Muckler and, and Tortorella have a connection before uh, Buffalo? How, how did they kind of, I guess, join up in Buffalo? Or do you know? Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. They were both there when I got there. So I'm not really sure how that worked out. And we had Donnie Luce with us. <laughs> so, and Donnie had played in Buffalo forever. Donnie Luce, Don Lever was around. Yeah. So, well, lots Don, of veteran guys. Yeah, I mean, Donnie Luce was a part of the, those great Sabre teams with the French Connection, right? Yeah, he was around. Uh, Donnie Lever, I think, was down on the bench with Muck and Torts. <laughs> so, it, lots of guys around. We had, that was my first goalie coach, Mitch Corn. Oh, Mi- oh was really? there in Buffalo. And he's, he's had, so, like, he, they call him the, almost like the goalie whisperer. Yeah, no, Mitch was phenomenal. I I actually really enjoyed my time just talking to him about the position. And I still talk to him once in a while. Hmm. Because he went off to Nashville and then, you know, worked with all the great goalies in in Nashville. And it seemed like he was the guy everyone wanted because he was having such great success as a goalie coach. Could you see that right off the hop with you? Oh, yeah. I mean, he understands the position. He knows the mindset of the position. And he takes what you have – and puts a little bit of polish on it. I think that was the big thing is if you had a flaw, he could see it and help fix it. But at the same time, he took what you did well and made it better. Hmm. Uh, you know what? With Buffalo Furies, we're, we're not going to get to the Canada Cup stuff. We'll get to it next week. But in Buffalo, why? I mean, what was it like playing in Buffalo? Because it's such a good sports town. You, you know, the Bills, we know all about what the Bills have done. And the Sabres had some great teams with Gilbert Perot and even going back to in goal with Roger Crozier. I remember him, you know, guys like that. But why do you think they just haven't been able to get over that hump in Buffalo and, and, and kind of speak to what kind of a, I guess, a sports town Buffalo is? You know what? It's a great city to play in. Hey, we played in the old odd, which was a strange old building, but it was a lot of fun to play in once you figured out some of the quirkiness to it. But we had a great hockey club and we beat Boston my first year there. And then we should have gone further, but Patty Lafontaine got hurt. Alex McGillney got hurt. Uh, Dougie Bodger got hurt. So we ran into the injury bug and whenever that happens, it makes it awfully tough to win. So but 
they've always had good teams. They just haven't found a way to sneak through that second round. I think the last time they snuck out of a second round was against who they end up against the finals, Philadelphia. Yeah. With Roger Crozier and Jerry Desjardins. Oh, Roger Crozier was one of my favorite goalies growing up. That's right. A long time ago. So in, in, um, you also had like, think about it in the sense that you had Rod Phillips as a play-by-play guy here that you, as you said, one of the first guys you ever really met in the Oilers organization, but then you had Rick Jenneret in Buffalo, who sadly just passed away just recently. What about that relationship with uh, RJ? RJ was great. I mean, one of the most enthusiastic guys you would ever see and fun to be around. I mean, he, he was around the rink all the time with the guys and such. And I think everybody enjoyed being around him and he brought life and enthusiasm to the rink. And that was the fun part of it. Would you, I don't know if it's, I, I always hate comparing guys and stuff like that, but do you think Rod Phillips and RJ had similar personalities? Most definitely. Okay. I mean, they were, Definitely had similar personalities. Definitely enjoyed calling the games. I think that was the other thing is you could tell by being around them that they really enjoyed the game. They enjoyed making the game exciting for the fans. Uh, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. We'll just get to a couple uh, for Grant. Uh, this comes from Doug. Hey, Grant, I'm a little older than you and also a former goalie. When I went to a hockey school in Penticton, Cesar Maniego preached on your feet for the far out shots, butterfly for the scrambles around your net. Comes from Doug. Thoughts on that one? And you've you've mentioned Cesar a couple times in our in our shows, haven't you? Yeah, he's down here in the desert. So, but again, I that's what I was taught. You're on your feet as much as you can. If you're in a mad scramble, then you butterfly and figure out how to find it. And it worked way back then. It worked when I played. I think it would still work in today's game. The rig comes in once again. Patrick Waugh was an innovator of the uh, butterfly style, but he also stayed tall even though he was on his knees. These new guys slumped down. Slumped down. And then the best one here, uh, Grant. P.S. Grant, I'm flying into Palm Springs December 3rd. Can you pick me up at the airport? <laughs> <laughs> I highly doubt it, Rig. I highly doubt it. Um, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think we're working that night. So. <laughs> um, uh, text coming in. I think I can read this one out. Yeah, Kevin. Dom was a great guy, as was his wife. I first met him many years ago after he'd retired when he was trying to get a sports clothing initiative up and running. Uh, this was before Lululemon in partnership with Dale Johnson from Edmonton. Johnson now has a movie production company in California, and I still have a, a light jacket from the first bit of merchandise from that startup. Uh, never really got off the round. That comes from WLH. Does it, any of that ring a bell for you, Grant? I remember him talking about it, but I don't think it ever took off and flew. You know, that one, again, in Buffalo, had you guys not had those injuries to all those star players, LaFontaine, uh, Doug Bodger, a very underrated defensive player, uh, defensive defenseman, uh, and then and then uh, uh, McGillney. McGillney, got, we had Dale Howard yeah, at that time. You guys stacked up just, so, as, just with any other team. Yeah, we had a good hockey club. Uh, well, I think uh, we're close to wrapping things up here, Grant, but uh, thanks so much. So uh, uh, Ontario tonight, and then you got uh, Baco on the weekend, right? Is that a home game against Baco? Baco. 
Uh, no, we're in Bakersfield. In Bakersfield. So it, it'll be a good one. It's Bakersfield always plays us hard. So does Ontario. So we're in for a pretty good week. Ontario is the Kings farm team, correct? Yep. It's the Battle of the I-10. So <laughs> it's, it's always a good one because the fans travel well. Oh, it should be a good one tonight. So uh, appreciate all your input again tonight, uh, uh, this afternoon, this morning, this afternoon out there, this morning, wherever we are. Uh, 87 Canada Cup we'll get to next week. How's that sound? It's a deal. I think we might have Ron Lowe on next week, but he just had his hip surgery. Awesome. Just had his hip surgery. Yeah, now, when I was up in Edmonton, we were talking about that. He's been talking about getting it done for a few years now. So it's good to see he finally got it done. Yeah, and you guys were together one year at the very start right here in Edmonton, right? 81 or something. He was my roommate. Well, so you. It, every guy we've had on has been your he roommate. Was a great guy to have. <laughs> Uh, th- thanks. Uh, between him and Kevin McClellan, that covered most of my time. <laughs> uh, thanks again, Fierzy. Look forward to next week already. Uh, thanks to all our guests uh, today, Jason Greger, Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli, uh, Greg Wyshynski, and Jeffrey Chedia. Coming up at the top of the hour is Fantasy Frenzy with... Uh, former Roshep T-Bird. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn at uh, noon... Oh, it's uh, the lowdown with Alan Mitchell, and then Jason Greger takes us home two two six. Uh, tomorrow we will have our co-host uh, in studio, and it'll be David Schlemko from nine to eleven. Thanks so much for everybody listening today. Have a wonderful afternoon. Uh, we will see you back here tomorrow morning at seven. Uh, Fantasy frenzy coming up at eleven. Before that, here is the Duke of Delburn with a sports fourteen forty update.